Hi, everybody, and welcome to I Need a Ruling, a golf podcast. My name is Doug Hoffman, and I am your host. I am the Director of Rules and Competitions for the Minnesota Golf Association, a PGA Master Professional, and a USGA Certified Expert on the Rules. If you are new to I Need a Ruling, I am glad you are taking the time to listen. The purpose of this podcast is to discuss the rules of golf, and in particular, the new and modernized rules. Each podcast will focus on only two or three particular items in order that it lasts approximately 10 minutes. The idea is to keep the discussion short, simple, and to the point, so you don't get overwhelmed by concepts and details. I would much rather have you listen to more, shorter episodes rather than one longer one. The rules can be confusing, so keeping this discussion simple is the best way for you to learn. In today's episode, we will be discussing the recent clarification issued by the USGA and RNA regarding caddies assisting the player line up, as well as the new procedure for taking relief from an embedded ball. Both of these have received significant airtime as a result of recent incidents on the PGA Tour. Regarding the caddy issue, the USGA and RNA recently issued a clarification on Rule 10.3b. As a reminder, this rule states a caddy must not deliberately stand on or close to an extension of the line of play behind the player's ball when the player begins taking a stance for the stroke and until the stroke is made. While this seems rather straightforward, there were two incidents that occurred, one in which the player was penalized and one not, that raised the awareness of the change to a level the rules rarely see and would rather not see. As you might remember, in a European tour event in Dubai, Hao Tong Lee had his caddy stand behind him for only a brief moment, really only about one second, to confirm the alignment. Unfortunately, with the new rule prohibiting such action, Lee was penalized two strokes and lost 92000 U.S. The very next week, Denny McCarthy had his caddy standing behind him as he was making practice swings right next to his ball. McCarthy was penalized, but it was overturned the next morning after the USGA and RNA issued a statement. Later, the two rules-making bodies issued the clarification I referenced. While it does not eliminate the prohibition to having a caddy, partner, or coach stand behind the player, it does allow for flexibility in two areas. First, the player must be taking the stance for the stroke. Should the player back away, he is undoing the process. It must be when the player begins taking the stance for the stroke, and that stroke is actually made. When the rule was first released, this was the case, if the ball was on the putting green. Now, this is the case for any place on the course. The second part to the clarification deals with the word deliberately. It is interesting to note that the rules are now dealing with accidental and deliberate actions more than ever before. In this case, for a player to be penalized, the player and or caddy must know the caddy is violating the rule, that is, he is positioned behind the player on an extension of the line when the player begins to take the stance. And the player or caddy does nothing to resolve the issue, such as the player backing away or the caddy moving. We could use the word intent here. Did the player and or caddy intend the caddy to be there? If either one knows the caddy is there and does nothing to stop it, then the player has intended the caddy to be there in violation of the rule. Okay, so the second topic we will discuss is an embedded ball. This is found in Rule 16.3. I believe the place to start this discussion is to simply define what makes a ball embedded. 
Rule 16.3a.2 gives us the answer. It states, a player's ball is embedded only if, one, it is in its own pitch mark, that is, the hole, made as a result of the player's previous stroke, and two, part of the ball is below the level of the ground. These seem relatively straightforward, but additional explanation is necessary. For a ball to be embedded, it must be in the hole created by the ball at impact, not some other ball. There needs to be reasonable information that justifies this conclusion. Also, it must create a depression in the ground. While it does not have to touch the ground itself, the ball must have broken the level of the ground. This is compared to a ball that is buried deep in the grass, but has not broken the ground. And lastly, a ball is not embedded if it is below the level of the ground as a result of anything other than the player's previous stroke, such as if someone steps on it, it is driven directly in the ground by the previous stroke without becoming airborne, or after a drop. Well, there is one more consideration I want to point out. The ball doesn't have to become embedded on the first time it hits the ground. What I mean is that a ball may strike the ground on a hard area and embed the second or later time it hits the ground. Okay, now that we have established what an embedded ball is, we must know where it may exist. And this is simple. A player is entitled to free relief from an embedded ball only when it lies in the general area. Remember, the general area of the course is anywhere other than a penalty area, bunker, putting green, or teeing ground. Now, don't be confused. You will be entitled to relief from an embedded ball if it is on the putting green under Rule 13.1c2. However, if the ball is embedded in a penalty area or bunker, you will not get free relief. Nor will you get free relief if your ball is embedded in sand in a part of the general area not cut to fairway height or less or if you have interference from anything else that would otherwise make the stroke clearly unreasonable. Okay, so I can hear you out there saying, hey, wait a minute, you're putting a lot of conditions on this. I thought you said it was simple. And to an extent, you are correct. So, let's simply focus more on where you may take relief. Just don't forget that there are some limiting conditions. So, think of it this way. If your ball is embedded in the fairway, the collar around the green, or the rough, you generally are entitled to relief. Rule 16.3b gives us the guidance for taking relief. There are three steps we must follow. One, identify the reference point, also commonly known as the nearest point of complete relief. For an embedded ball, this is, quote, the spot right behind where the ball is embedded, unquote, as in about three inches behind. But remember, don't fix the pitch mark. Second, establish the relief area. It will be an area one club length in size from the reference point. Imagine a semicircle. Remember, you will be measuring with the longest club in your bag other than a putter. However, take note, you actually do not have to get out the club and measure. You may proceed to step three without measuring, but to accurately establish the relief area, you should measure. And third, you drop the ball. Under Rule 14, there is a right way to drop the ball. You must drop it by your hand, and from knee height. You must not spin it or do anything else to influence the movement of the ball. And you must let it fall to the ground without touching anything on the way down. It must hit in and come to rest within the relief area. And it must not be closer to the hole than the reference point. And last, only that part of the relief area that is in the general area is permitted. 
Okay, so I hear you just saying, wait, what'd you just say? Let me clarify. Remember, a ball cannot be dropped or end up closer to the hole than the reference point, so no part of the relief area will be in front of the reference point, thus it is a semicircle. When we are establishing the relief area, only that part of that one club length semicircle that is in the general area is valid. For example, imagine that semicircle that is your relief area. If part of the semicircle goes into a bunker or a penalty area, you cannot drop the ball in that part of the semicircle. So in other words, you are not guaranteed the full semicircle relief area. If you are having difficulty following along, I encourage you to listen to it again. Also, there is a great diagram, diagram 16.3b, in the rules. It is in any of the rules books, as well as may be viewed in the online version of the rules at usga.org or rnda.org. Well, that concludes this episode of I Need a Ruling, a golf podcast. Thank you for listening. I Need a Ruling may be found on many of your favorite podcast host sites, including Anchor.fm, Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, and others. I hope you will subscribe and continue listening. If you care to reach me, I Need a Ruling is on Facebook and Twitter. My Twitter tag is at Doug Hoffman 4. That's at Doug Hoffman, H-O-F-F-M-A-N-N, and the number 4. I encourage you to send your questions about this episode or any other rule in general to me at Ruling at gmail.com. Let me know if you have questions you would like me to discuss. Until next time, play well and have fun.